I'm Jess McCauley, and I'm a theater maker, and I am also an introvert. I'm Phil Rickaby, and I'm a writer and performer, and I am also an introvert, and this is The Introvert's Guide to... On The Introvert's Guide 2, we talk about the introvert life and how to live it to the fullest. We'll choose a topic and discuss it, as well as try to find other helpful hints on social media and the internet at large. If you want to drop us a line, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at introvertguide2, the number two, and you can find the website at introvertsguide2.com. If you want to send us a message, you can do that through the website, or you can email us at introvertsguidetostuff at gmail.com. And remember, we may use your questions or comments on an upcoming episode of The Introvert's Guide To. And if you like the podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a comment and a five-star rating. Your comments and ratings help new people to find the show. But even better... Whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you know someone that you think might like The Introvert's Guide too, tell them about it. Some of our favorite podcasts became our favorites because someone told us about them. So, Jess, we're back. We're rusty. We've already had a couple of technical hitches as we've been getting started here. Usually... Usually we're really good at getting started. Like, well, it's like seven o'clock and we're like, okay, let's do this. It is going after quarter yeah, <laughs> quarter after 12. We had a couple of glitches. It's been a little while since we did this. So Jess, um, would you like to, I mean, can you tell us like why we had to take that break? What's happening? What's is something new? My husband and I have found out not recently. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Hey. I am with child. You are with child. <laughs> Yay. So um, yes, we yes. needed to take a break so that you could adjust to uh, prego life. Uh, yeah. I remember having the conversation with you and you and I just had it before we started about heightened senses. Mm-hmm. Listeners, that's not a joke. <laughs> I could not open up my fridge without getting a little nauseated. So go easy on your pregnant friends. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, it's been quite the adjustment. I can imagine. Um, your you were talking earlier about your bump. You got a bump going. I do. Yeah. So, uh, what else? What else? What else is? What else is? This is going to be a really informal episode, you guys. We've been off for a while. Jess and I have actually not really spoken since we took a break because we only really talk when we're doing this, and uh, so we're going to catch up on stuff that we're working on. Uh, it's not all going to be mm-hmm. baby related, but uh, some of it is going to be baby related. Absolutely. As as an introvert, have you found that as you're starting, as you're showing, you've got this bump, you are becoming visibly uh, with child. Um, do you find that that people are in your space more because of it? Oh, yeah. A lot of people want to talk to me now. Absolutely. I love them all. I have really seen who my community is. Mm -hmm. 
and who is there, who's not. But it's the fact that the ones who were already there are even more there now. <laughs> it's every day. How are you feeling? What's going on? Anything I can do to help? And I love that. It's so great. But it's one of those I have to keep reminding them that when I need you, I promise you, I will come to you. But I'm okay right now. I'm okay. First trimester, yeah, go for it. I needed help. But yeah. second, it's I'm in my adjustment period. I'm getting there. Have you have you found strangers in your business? Like if you're no, out and about, not yet, okay, thankfully. that's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm. I'm really not looking forward to looking super pregnant, and ready to pop. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that because I have to exercise the ask if you can touch the bump ask me if you can come yes. into my space i'm nervous about that i can imagine that's that's it's pretty nerve-wracking and also because as friends of mine who've been through it already they've mentioned how as soon as you get to a certain point people just walk up and start touching your belly like it's theirs i just don't understand that mindset though i mean when my sister was pregnant, my own sister, I asked her if it was okay to yeah. touch her belly. That's just I made it very clear to my family. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's polite. Yeah. I made it very clear that only the immediate family and my husband, of course, can absolutely go ahead and touch the bump. Go ahead. You're okay. I've cleared you. Everybody else will need a, will need a hall pass. <laughs> you gotta ask. I mean, even if you've been told it's okay, like... Who knows like how you feel from day to day? Nobody should feel like they're mm -hmm. they're just like, ah, there is Jess. Let me touch the belly. That's your body. You know what? Okay, I have to give one story actually. Something just came into my mind. Okay. So I was at an event and I had an old friend I hadn't chatted with in a very long time. Like it had been a couple of years since we chatted. And I had announced it yet on social media that I was pregnant. He came up and said, oh my goodness, I heard through the grapevine. I can totally see it. That's awesome. Congratulations. And we started talking about baby and, you know, then he asked, so do you think you're having a boy or a girl? And I, you know, I'm already somebody that knows we're not doing the icky, cringy gender reveal. That's not happening. But he was just curious if what I'm having. So I was like, I'm not really sure yet. You know, now I think I have some ideas, but at the time I wasn't sure. What does he do? He comes up behind me, puts his hands underneath the belly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, Phil's face is priceless right now. Comes underneath the belly to do a lift and goes, sitting a little low, it's got to be a boy. And I'm just, I'm absolutely blown away. I can't believe the story did not <laughs> come to mind but i remember steve's face was just so not impressed absolutely not impressed did and you, i just did i had say anything i i didn't know what to say all i said was just well that's i'll take that into account okay and i'm one of those people that i can come up with a good quip pretty pretty easily but if it's something that has shocked me and rocked me to my core I'm. I don't. I think you've you've done me in. Yeah. You've done. You've done, you've done me in. Yeah. 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 Um. Wow. Just wow. Yeah. There, on the on the topic of of the gender reveal reveal party, you're not planning to burn down a forest with your announcement or anything. You're not gonna. Well. <laughs> not at all. I mean, oh my goodness. 
had so many people ask us, do you want us to make the cupcakes for it? What do you want? And I'm like, I think Steve and I are just wanting to find out together. Yeah. And then we're just going to tell our friends and family. And that's it. We're just, that's it. We're not announcing it on social media. We're not doing a icky, again, cringy little thing. It's weird. I don't like them. It's weird and it's gross. So It is. We're also moving on in our time with, these things they can go away traditions can die i mean that's not even that hasn't even really been around long enough to be Mm. a tradition is yeah fair enough i i think that it's just like we can let that go we can let that go yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah that's me wow so phil you've got some stuff going on too so you remember last year i did a sort of a heartwarming uh, uh christmas audio drama um, about a mall Santa having a bad day, but it was really about a, 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 a guy coming to terms with, with the choices that he's made and things like that. It was very heartwarming, tear jerking drama called St. Nick and the big fuck up. Um, so that was last year. This year, um, I'm doing another one. I'm doing another, uh, Christmas audio drama. Uh, I just finished the, the first audio mix and I have to go down go through it and and uh, make sure that all the volumes are right and things like that. That's a, a bit of a bit of tweaking, but it's pretty much done. Um, it's uh, another ho- holiday audio drama. This one, this one is uh, uh, I would not call it heartwarming. I've this one is a li- little bit more uh, for people who would like a little bit of horror in their holiday cheer. Um, it's called there's a demographic for oh, that. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Um, it's called It Sees You When You're Sleeping. And uh, it will be coming out, I think, November 17th is the first episode. It's, yeah, November 17th. It's six episodes, about 10 minutes each uh, of increasing tension and horror in a story about a father and a certain elf toy purchased for his child. Oh my gosh. I had to hold myself back while you were giving the description here, but what a killer title. Thank you. <laughs> that is so awesome. Uh, that <laughs> took a long time to come up with, to be honest. I, titles are hard. Titles oh, yeah. are pretty hard. Like you live with a temporary title just so you can re- call it something. You have to, when you hit save, you have to call it something. And then you're like, either the title is like, this is the title, or it's like, I hate that so much. It's so bland and so boring. And I had a really bland and boring title. Um, and I eventually uh, happened to come across this title. Oh, just brilliant. I know. I, I usually save my titles for at the end when I'm completely done and I'm going over the themes and what it is that I want someone to take away from the show, but you have to resist the urge. I find whenever you find like a title that you think works, you're like, it goes, it goes into a pile. We put that into the pile and see if it'll work. Unless, because I've had it where I've been working on something and the title comes to me and I'm like, Ooh, that is the title. Like, you know, right away, Mm -hmm. but that has happened maybe once in my life and more often than not i am stuck at the end of a project going i hate that title but i don't know what the hell to call this now it wasn't the commandment was it no 
because that it works so perfectly. Oh, I know that I mean, that, that title that title <laughs> did work so really well. Um, but because that was that that's actually the name I had for that from the beginning. So yeah, this yeah. this one is like I said, November seventeenth, and there will be a third one next year, which will actually and this is this is my challenge that I've that I've made for myself. The next year is going to tie together both Saint Nick and the Big Fuck Up. And it sees you when you're sleeping as sort of like a, a link to tell one story of different stories that seemed so separate. So that's the goal for next year. I love that. Oh, I love that so much. Oh, Phil. Yeah. And then uh, I am also going to have the opportunity in early December to do a live performance of St. Nick and the Big Fuck Up, a one night only. But ultimately, in my mind, all of these things are solo plays that I will perform uh, later on. And eventually, perhaps uh, a, a do the trilogy in a, like over a period of time for the Christmas holiday. So, yeah. That's incredible. Oh my goodness. What what gave you the inspiration to want to work on it? Was it just something that you know you you really attracted to the holiday dramas or audio dramas, I should say? Audio drama was a audio was a last ditch cuz last year of course there were no no way to there was no way to perform and I was like I really wanted to perform this. And so I decided that if I was going to do something, I had to do it in a way that made sense for me and audio felt right. And I really liked putting it together. I really liked creating a soundscape for it and, and using sound to tell a story because when you do that, audio is a very visual medium. You can send images directly into the brain with a sound through the ear holes. So it was like this, this, this challenge to put that together. And I really liked that. And uh, I think that uh, there's even more uh, uh, audio storytelling. I actually uh, played it for my girlfriend um, last night. And at one point she was kind of hiding under the covers while she was listening. So uh, I think I've accomplished what I wanted to accomplish there. Um, but basically it was a way of, 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 of presenting a performance without being able to perform so now i'm committed to the three but eventually i'll perform them in person as well would you be presenting them as if it's an audio drama just presented live or is this something where you're actually transposing it into a more theatrical sense i can't see doing it live without doing something theatrical so when i do my my one night only performance of of, of saint nick and the big fuck up i will be in the santa outfit um and will be uh, it'll probably be closer to storytelling, but I have ideas for the other ones uh, already, how, how they'll be presented. So uh, it'll be very exciting. Very cool. All right. And to bring it to another question I wanted to ask you, and I wanted to ask about Stageworthy. Yes. You'd rec yeah, you'd recently taken a break from that too. Um. I have to admit, so Stageworthy I've been doing for six years, 307 episodes, I think. So, I mean, it's been, a, it's been Stageworthy, Stageworthy I've been doing for a very long time. And I, ha I had to admit that the last 19 months have been very difficult to do um, because it was more work to get people to come on, more work to find guests, 
uh, more work to to um, bring, like to to put out the the episodes. Um, and it was really taking its toll. So I I finally decided that I was going to just take a break from it. Um, it's not over, but I want to make sure that that when I like that I I keep being I keep enjoying doing it. Um, there's no point in doing something that you put hours and hours of work into if you don't enjoy it, especially when you don't get paid for it. Um, so that's that was the 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 important thing. Um, so it's not going away, but I did feel like uh, in order to to keep being passionate about it that I needed to take some time away. And I'm also going to do, I'm also going to try to figure out and maybe I'll do some kind of small focus group to try to figure out what people uh, aren't getting from it, what they would like to see in a podcast about Canadian theater and things like that. But it's definitely something that I needed to, to step away from. That's a hard decision. I find, you know, like even with introverts guide, it wasn't an easy decision to come to you and tell you the, you know, the stresses of what was going on with me at the beginning. I can't imagine it was easy for you either, especially because from what I know of you and I've known you for, you know, known you for a bit now, but you're a very consistent creator. You are always on top of your work that I, I felt like I admired you more because you had to step back in the, in the best way possible for it, because it's, it's a show that you do love. I do know that you Mm -hmm. love it. You put a lot of work into it. And especially because it's not just for you, it's for Canadian theater. It's to help connect us all. So I can't imagine that was easy. No, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, but it's, it's one of those important things where, like I said, you have to keep passionate about, about a thing and if you need to change a couple of things to keep it interesting, you definitely have to do that. But the decision was definitely a difficult one because ever since I started, I made the commitment to myself and to the audience that this was going to be a weekly podcast. And I didn't want the podcast to, I didn't want a pod fade situation where you just sort of uh, start a podcast and then it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, but once I got to 300 episodes and I was really starting to struggle with finding guests, um, it was getting harder and harder to find people to come on. Uh, and I just really felt like I just needed to, to take the break and to come back stronger in a couple of months. No, for sure. I, um, I think I felt that way a little bit with my own work for some time now. Um, I haven't, produced in oh my goodness going on four years Mm. now and I think for me it's I have ideas they're there but what's the point in putting out something that's not totally me it's not my work that I'm going to be proud of putting on Um, and, and I mean I think the pandemic especially made me realize that like what am I producing for what am I doing it for I finally have the idea that I am going to run with now it's going to be my work especially with Matt leave coming up yeah. I am definitely going to need something to keep me grounded in who I am but I think that's something we as introverts need to remember as well is that you know, just bringing it back to our community here is doing what's best for you to keep yourself grounded in your own passions and in your own life is so important to have those conversations with yourself, with the people that, that you work with closely. I mean, I, I can't, I can't express to you how much I appreciated the conversation we had when deciding to take the hiatus. It was very 
transparent and it was an open conversation. Yeah. Um, no, we didn't get to talk very much. There was a lot going on for both of us. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but it, I don't know. It just it solidifies things more. And truth be told, listeners, Phil and I realized what a community we have. We got some pretty interesting messages from people, and I'm very proud of this community, and I know you are too. Phil. Absolutely. Uh, I love we get messages uh, on social media. People email us. Sometimes they just email us to say I, that they just found the podcast and thank you for making it. Sometimes they have questions, things they want to go over with us. Um, and we love getting those messages. And it's always great to see that people respond to what you do. Jess, I want to ask you a little bit about about writing. Are you writing right now? What are you what are you working on? I'm currently writing a one-person show. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed what I did in 2018. But what I'm moving toward is, yes, it's something autobiographical. It's about my family history. Mm-hmm. I found it to be um, a challenging time in 2020, not just for the pandemic, but unfortunately, I had lost two relatives mm-hmm. very close to me, and it was quite traumatic how it happened. Um, and I went to go live in my, uh, in my nanny's condo. That's who passed away, my nanny. And I went to go live in her condo and starting to clean everything out and finding all of these artifacts of my family history and going back on my dad's family history. Phil, I remember telling you a couple of years ago, some big news we found out about my dad's side of the family and it was big. I want to bring that to the front I think the biggest challenge for me right now is how do I tell the story without simply getting on the stage and saying it? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. got to be something that is going to, I don't in, not just immortalize the family story, but something that's going to draw Canadians in to listen to this because, you know, we've been going through a civil rights movement yeah. and we're, we're starting to have these big conversations about diversity. It's where does my story fit in now? And it's a big story, but it's one that I'm so passionate now about yeah. realizing. Yeah, it's hard to, because a lot of times when people are, are telling a story like that, especially an autobiographical story, they will, it, it often starts, I don't know, like I used to be X, but I'm not like that anymore. And that's how they start. Which is like, uh, thanks for killing the drama. And that's story that's that's not good storytelling. Good storytelling should draw you in, things like that. So it's almost like I think sometimes people write their first draft of the story and they're like, Well, I told the story, now I'm just gonna get up and do it. And I think that there's more to it than that and finding that drama in there. And there is all there's often drama to be found. We just have to find the way to tell it. And I think that's the pitfall I fell into a couple of years ago when I did my show. It really was just, a, okay, I've said it. Now mm. let's just make sure I can perform it well. Yeah. Because being by yourself on stage for one hour and keeping an audience is an already separate task. Now you have to find a way to keep them engaged with said story. Yeah. And that I don't just want to lose the theater altogether in this. I think it's a great story. I think it has bones to it. It's just now trying to get the skeleton. I mean, that's the real problem is 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 a lot of times like we we sometimes forget that theater is more than just words. Yes, there 
you know, you can take something that's meant for the theater and it's all has a lot of words in it. If you transfer transfer that to the to say film, that's a different medium and it becomes people like, why is this so boring? But on stage it works. But they still have to be these visuals. It still has to be dramatic. It still has to be theatrical. And so um that's the that's the real challenge to 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 get there. Um but you you I know that even before we took our hiatus, you talked about uh, that you hadn't written in a while, things like that. Was there something uh, blocking you as far as as far as that goes? Were you feeling um, something stopping you from writing, or was it just exhaustion, which is entirely a valid thing? <laughs> oh yes, creative exhaustion. But mine was a mistake that I had made. My mistake is I was waiting to be motivated. And I was waiting to feel inspired. And I mm-hmm, was waiting mm-hmm. for that moment of going, okay, I feel like writing yep. something today. Mm-hmm. I started reading this incredible book, um, Writing Down the Bones. Mm-hmm. And one of the tips is, you know, if somebody wants to run in the Olympics, they train every day. Somebody wants to be a dancer. They have to practice every day. You have to find ways. Even if you think it's not leading anywhere, they still keep their muscles going. And it's the exact same way with writing. Now, I didn't connect so much with wanting to write 10 minutes every day. I I can't do it. I don't know what it is that's holding me back. That's part of my discovery. Mm -hmm. But what I did start doing is I started writing sticky notes. And I started collecting those sticky notes and putting them into a document. Mm -hmm. And soon enough, and now I see again, I see the show coming. I see little bits of myself coming out. So my mistake was thinking that the show's just going to hit me. I'm going to be laying in bed and there it comes. And it's such a naive way of thinking. It, It can be naive and it's limiting because... You could have been working on it this whole time, even if it was garbage. You're still working. That's the right? thing is is a lot of times uh, people think about writing in terms of no, no, no. When I write it down, it has to be perfect, and you can really get stuck in that. I think we've talked before about how I used to write, and I'd be like, "Oh, this is garbage," and I would throw it away, and I'd never look at it again. And that's um, it was eye opening for me to discover that the first draft is supposed to be shitty. That's how, just how it is after that you you've you're like well, the first draft is you telling yourself the story and discovering it so of course when you're discovering it it's going to be messy and, and and halting and not great but so many times uh, we want it to be perfect like i want it to be golden as i write it down um and it's it's not going to be such a polite way of putting it. <laughs> but there's 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 also, I mean, in in his book on writing, Stephen King talks about how um, an aspiring writer writes when they are inspired, and a and a writer writes all the time, whether or not it's going to mm-hmm. be good or not. And that's sort of the the important thing is like you. You sit down and make the inspiration happen rather than waiting for it to, to come to you. You sort of push it through your pen. You know, it's om- it's instead of saying we write garbage, it's almost like we are writing the compost. Yes, yes. Compost does become soil at some point, yeah. right? So I think for me, I was putting so much pressure on myself to sit down at my laptop mm-hmm. and write something instead of saying, how about you go to the dollar store, just get a notebook that's cheap. 
and write these thoughts as they come to you. And if you feel like writing two minutes, five minutes, just do it. At least you're getting it right. With the pandemic, having theater and all of it removed and not having the option to perform and not having the option to really do anything besides, again, being on Zoom. And you and I have mm. talked about Zoom fatigue. Yeah. There's only so much you feel like being on camera, right? Yeah. I think I realized more and more that it was time for me to start restructuring my thoughts on how I want to be creative mm. and how I want to discover the stories that I want to tell instead of thinking I have these deadlines I have to meet. And, you know, I've got so many ideas. Where do I start? You don't have to start in that way of creating something and, and having a beginning, a middle and end. You need to have, you need to have your sense of self grounded in what you're trying to accomplish in just these tiny little moments. Yeah. Yeah. Writing is a weird thing. Also, I don't know if you've ever fallen pit, got, like fallen into this pitfall um, I, I know a lot of people who dabble in writing do a lot of people who write do, uh, maybe some of our listeners have done this, like, I'm going to write a thing and you go out and you buy this really nice notebook and you bring it home. And then you put that night, you get that notebook and you're about to open it. You're like, Oh no, no, that's too nice for this story. That's too nice for me to write in. And so you've got this notebook and you don't use it because you're like, this is too nice for me to write in. And yeah, I, at one point I had a shelf full of unused notebooks and because they were like, Oh, that one's too nice for me to, to write in. And the effort that it took to either be like, all right, I either have to toss these or write in them. And I tossed a few cause there's no way, there's no way that I was going to like get them all written in, but like just to be like, all right, I have to, I have to write in this beautiful notebook and just make this happen. Have you, have you, I, I see some recognition in your face. Have you bought a notebook that's too nice to write in? I feel so attacked. <laughs> I have so many. Uh. I'm looking at the shelf right now and I have these beautiful little like books. Uh -huh. They're so beautiful. I have one where I, okay. I have one where I started writing in it. Uh. And I was just writing out the, this book belongs to, and I spelt, <laughs> I spelt my last name wrong. <laughs> and I haven't looked at that book since. I can't even look at it without feeling guilt. Like my husband hates it when I go into Indigo or chapters anywhere. You're going to come out with a, with a new notebook that you're not going to write in. Yeah, exactly. And he'll look at me and say like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I'm going to make you, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to give you a challenge and it involves those oh. notebooks. It involves, she's so disappointed every time I give her a challenge. Mm -hmm. All of those notebooks, they're there and you are going to have to decide whether to keep them or to actually write in them. And I'm going to encourage you to actually marry Kondo some of those notebooks. Pick them up. If that notebook does not spark joy, ditch it. And if it does, you write in that motherfucker. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I can feel myself going redder. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of giving up any of these books, like, I mean, but that's just it is, it's so true. Yeah. Why did you buy this book? You didn't buy it to make a presentation in it. Yes. You bought it because you need to write. That's right. I, 
yeah, I have only settled now for um, notebooks from the dollar store uh-huh. for now on. That's only where they come from. And sketchbooks. I mm. surprisingly being able to write in a sketchbook is great. Mm. Now it's just what the hell do I do with these books? Because you're right. I have to write in them. Yeah, you do. I, you do. I hate your challenges, Phil. I know I you do, them. but but you need to those those books are going to take up space on this shelf um, and continue to take up space on this shelf. And you are going to every time you look at them. This is what was happening with me. First off, I had boxes and boxes. These were not even on the shelf. I had moved. I had boxes and boxes of these notebooks that I had not written in. And I was like, they they made me miserable. Because if I put them on a shelf, they would be a reminder of the fact that I did not write in that book. If I keep them in a box, mm. I know that box is there. And it's just like this box of like unused books. And so it was like, I have to get rid of these because they do nothing for me. They're just taunting you. They were taunting Laughing me. at yes. you. Yes. Laughing books. Yes. I I will figure out something to do with them. I guarantee it. I make that promise now. I will use them. Even if there's a typo in it, damn it, I will use it. You know, the thing, I hated saying that I know sentence. you did. I know you did. Because that, 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 you were like, on the first page, the first page of this pristine, beautiful book, I open it up and it says... Like it says property of Jess McCooley or something. And you're like, no. And every time you pick up that book, you're going to look at it. But here's how you solve that problem. You know, those like address stickers. Oh, the little stationary yeah. stickers. You could you just put that over top of that and you never have to see that spelling mistake again. Phil, you magnificent bastard. <laughs> Excellent. Why didn't I think of that? I love stationery. Why was this not my thought? I don't know. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Phil, if there's anybody I can chat stationery with and appreciate a good pen oh, on paper, you know it's me. It's you. You know what? It's I, you, my friend. I bet that there are a bunch of our, our readers who at this point in the show are like, oh my God, I've had that book. I've done that thing. Listen, Jess and I both, like my process for writing when I am about to start writing, I always buy a new notebook and a new pen. Always. And I'm very particular about the paper. I'm very particular about the paper. I'm very particular about the pen. But I have come to the decision that unless unless I'm actually going to write in it, and this pains me to say, I'm not buying a new notebook. I think I saw a vein you did. in your you forehead. Did. There was a vein <laughs> and it popped up in the forehead and was like throbbing a little bit. I belong onto this um, INFP um, personality group on Facebook. And just to hear all of the introvert creatives that talk about how much they appreciate the stationery, mm-hmm. they appreciate their materials is just so eye-opening that we're not the only ones out there so i do want i think i want our listeners to write us in i think i want them to tell us about their stationery oh tell i want to hear oh i want to hear about all of those like tell you know what if you want to write in and just say like i have this many books that i have not written in just admit that to us just admit oh yeah this many this many notebooks unwritten in or 
partially written in because I have a few of those where I started to write a thing. I stopped and that book went on the shelf and I did not open it again. So I, you know, we could share, we can all count, we can all count our, our notebooks and, and share how many we have that we did not write in. Um, and we can use that as sort of like a, a catharsis. Send that, yeah. send that out into the, out, out into the ether, admit how many you didn't write in and then make a commitment to write in the damn books. Listeners, church is in because the confessional is open. That is right. Confessional is open. It's open. Come on in. Let us know. <laughs> you know, we've 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 had this time away um, and we've both been working on some stuff. You know, we've both been writing, we've both been creating um, I would say that you've been creating something slightly more significant than something that I've been creating. You know, baby, it's a life, you know, that sort of thing. <clears throat> um, but we are, we're, this is, this is the first episode that people are going to hear as we're back. And I do want to bring this back, um, some introvert stuff just to, just to like, as we sort of, uh, draw to sort of a close here. No, I live in the city. I live in Toronto and you live in St. Catharines. Which is 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 not quite as 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 crowded a place. It's not quite as as busy. Where you are, where uh, where things are opening up, are you seeing crowds out? Or and what is your when you see people? At what point do you say, "Oh, that's a crowd"? Because my perception of a crowd has changed significantly. <laughs> oh my gosh, crowds are like. I see five people going into a restaurant and I think to myself, I should have called ahead <laughs> to see if they need reservations. Are they busy? Are they at almost their half capacity? What is going on? I, I feel that my idea of a crowd is now almost hazardous <laughs> when I'm an introvert, like especially because where I work, there is there is a lot of people where I work mm -hmm. and a lot of artists are coming in and out that I am one of those people that will just wait in my car until they are gone. It's been like 15 minutes. <laughs> I just I don't want to be in a crowd anywhere near one. You know, one of the things my perception has changed so much like I was so near my the place where my office building is. So I go into the office occasionally. There's uh, another building that has a food court in it. Which pre-pandemic, starting at noon, would be slammed with like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably close to like a thousand people in this in this food court area. It was massive, always busy, always always insane. The other week, I went over there, and I was like, "Huh, it's getting pretty crowded in here." There was like fifty people in the entire food court that used to hold like maybe a thousand people at a time. But, but I was like, wow, there's a lot of people here with 50. And I realized that my entire idea of a crowd has changed significantly. It's, it's just so intimidating now when you see people like I am, I try to avoid going into big stores like, like Walmart, mm. for instance. But when I have to, I, I notice I do this thing where I hold things close to my chest <laughs> and I'm looking around to make sure no one's behind me. And I'm like, I'm just, 
I look so paranoid, especially because I'm one of those people that doesn't necessarily do my hair and makeup. <laughs> so I look. <laughs> are you are you more are you more worried that somebody's going to recognize you or no you... <laughs> no I look paranoid. <laughs> I look like somebody who has not seen the light of day for so long when I'm out. I don't care if people recognize me. I'm I'm I am who I am, mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. I probably look so terrified holding, clutching my items to my chest, going through the self-checkout being like, scan, damn it, scan, yeah, yeah, damn yeah, it, and yeah. like trying to go fast and power walking out of there. I'm, I'm a beautiful creature. <laughs> but it's funny because, you know, I see, you know, I was watching a video of, of, you know, some of the shows uh, coming back in New York on Broadway and mm-hmm. you know the, the audience applauding and uh, as you know as much as i was like oh it's beautiful the theater's back i was also like there's a lot of people in that theater right now there's a lot of people <laughs> sitting shoulder to shoulder and i am breaking out in a sweat right now <laughs> i i went to a dress rehearsal for one of our shows mm-hmm. at the where i work and uh, we have to wear masks the entire time, yeah. obviously, and rightfully so. And we're all distanced. We're, we're far away from each other. And I caught myself thinking, okay, I really need to take a breath without my mask on. What do I do? And for 10 minutes, I think I'm missing dialogue all because I'm thinking about, I just want to take a breath. I just need to take a quick breath. Just to, And I'd like hold my breath while I take my mask off. I'm like, nope, you're defeating the purpose. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. yeah. There's, oh. there's, you know, actually, um, my girlfriend and I were talking about how, um, you know, now that we are, currently requiring vaccination to go indoors in restaurants and we've been really like no we are not i don't feel ready to do that i don't feel ready to do that and we were kind of like i think we just have to bite that bullet and like Mm. go to a restaurant because otherwise we're just going to be like oh no people for the rest of our lives and i don't think that that's any way to live and you know we can't Obviously, winter is coming, and there pad it won't be patios, and I don't want to be stuck, like just Ubering food to my face. Oh yeah, no, it gets old real quick. But I have gone. I I am fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when when I was uh, just um, just pregnant. It was a little intimidating getting mm-hmm. it, but I mean, at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do yep. and it was totally safe. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things of you chat with your doctor and the doctor gives you the green light. You yeah. just go and do it, yeah. right? I felt so much better after getting everything done and going to a restaurant, knowing that everybody who was in there mm. yeah. respected the process. Yeah. It was a lot more comforting going out afterwards sure. than maybe previously when it's uh I don't know where these people stand, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I before the before that before we were requiring that to go into restaurants, I would be on a patio and I would see people going into restaurants to eat and I'd be like, I don't know if I want to be in there with them. I don't know I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. So um, right. I have a question about the about getting your vaccination. Sure. Did you cry? No. 
No. Oh no. I don't. I don't eat blood a lot. I'm kind of used. No, no, to no. It was like... for me. It wasn't about the about it hurting. Um, yeah. I felt myself getting checked, choked up because I was like the first one and the second one. The first one was like, this is this is me getting closer to having a life back, like that sort of thing, like us being through this. So I felt the emotion of that. When I got the second one, I felt it again. I was like, this is in 14 days from here, I can hug my friends. 14 days from now, I can hug my vaccinated friends and we can be in the same space once again and we can feel good about about that. And I found that very cathartic and I was really emotional about it. Hmm. You know what? I I think because... You know, truth be told, listeners, um, the beginning of the pregnancy for me was not easy. It was an incredibly scary time. Um, I think for me, I was so focused on what was happening and trying to wrap my head around, you know, no, you are doing the right thing. You are doing the right thing. Everything's okay. That I think I felt so wrapped up into my own world that I, thinking about it now that you say it, I really didn't take that into account. Because, I mean, I was so used to not hugging anybody to begin with. Sure, yeah. You know, I, I did, it didn't really hit me. But now that you say it, it's like, yeah, wow, we are getting closer. Yeah. We're getting one step closer to getting through this. Yeah. We're almost at the end, right? But, I mean, at, at the very least, I did leave with a with a great feeling, yeah. knowing that this, was, this is all going to be okay. So I did walk away with that feeling. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um. I had a thought I was going to ask you about something and now it's gone. So I guess it's, yeah. Oh, you're going through what I go through. <laughs> oh, you got baby brain. No, you're I just have, through... I just have old man brain. Hey, e- it's just age with me. Hey, even before this, there'd be times where I'm asking you something and I'll be like, oh, I forget where I was going with that. Thought. I just kind of left. <laughs> our listeners don't know because <laughs> it's I, been a long time. Our listeners don't know because I cut those out. Thank you. <laughs> 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 Phil Rickaby, everybody. He's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we've got we're gonna be back on track. We're gonna be 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 doing stuff and we um I was thinking and, and we'll say this now, we'll we'll try to bank a bunch of episodes as quickly as possible so that um your when your baby does come, you're probably gonna need an adjustment period again. So we'll try to get some episodes in the can so Ooh, that we can yeah. uh cover that because that's gonna be uh, probably a bit of an adjustment for you. Is it ever? Oh, yes. Steve and I definitely are thinking about the ways that we're going to be ensuring we both get our creative time in. Yeah. And it's not just, uh, it's got to be moments of not just self-care, but it's also us that we keep our own individual identities. Yeah. We re- have our autonomy. I, you know, I am not somebody that thinks, oh, that person's a mom. That's all that they are now. Yes, mm-hmm. this baby will be something I obviously I'm going to love this child of no matter what. Of course. Of course. This is going to be my life for a very long time, but I am still me. Yes. And keeping this up with this podcast, keeping up with you listeners and my own writing is going to be a priority certainly. I can already see that that you know once, you know, in a little while we'll be having we can finally uh, broached some of those topics that we were like, I don't think we could talk about the parenthood thing because neither of us is really a parent. Well, now we're going to be able to start talking about some of those things. And, and I we'll, we'll know. Be, it'll be good to have your perspective on those when we get to those. It was just sitting on our board for so long. Now we have now we have a place for exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Finally. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great to catch up, and it's been it's good to be back at this. So, Jess, uh, welcome back. And thanks. Uh, we're we're really excited to get back into it. So, uh, look for us again in two weeks. Bye.